Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You're done with your Oreo? Yeah, <laughs> done with my Oreo. Okay, good. Um, do we really know what happened? The brother did that. The brother, that's what I thought too. I mean, that seems like kind of obvious. Hey, do you just want to talk about death? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be murdery, thingy, 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 Are you ready now? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you ready? I'm always ready. Good. Welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. Hey, welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. Happy Wednesday. 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 <laughs> Wednesday is a weird word. Yeah. What does it mean? Uh, Do you know what the days of the week mean? I mean, I know Thursday is Thor's day. What? Yeah, that's, like, where it comes from. Like, like Thor? Yeah, like, from Norse mythology. I don't know why or how, Ooh. but, like, that's <laughs> what I'm given to understand. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm, like, 85% sure. Did you hear that in school? I think I heard it not in school. Probably on a TV show or something. That's where all true knowledge comes from. Ah, uh, yes. The History Channel. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, I remember distinctly, like, the History Channel and, like, TLC and, like, MTV. Like, all these channels, like, turning from, like, their original purpose. Oh, my God. And, like, when they were kind of, like, at the beginning, you know, they were kind of more pure. You're and so then, right. And then, like, they all just turned to be, like, and we're all just going to make reality shows now. <laughs> yeah, you're 100% right. Oh, it's my weird. God. And, and scripted shows. Well, TLC was always reality shows. Yeah, but it also like kind of weird. It also used to be like nature documentaries and stuff. Oh, and now yeah, it's it's more just like human interest and or like Animal Planet. My six hundred pound life. Yeah, like um, Animal Planet. Their slogan is now like um, like so human or something like that. Like no, it's not. I don't know. It's something like that or like History Channel. History made every day. It's like, we're not really going to talk about history anymore. (laughs) I don't know. I never thought about it that way. You're right. Yeah. That is their slogan now. It's it's kind of funny, right? I don't know. Not that it really... I guess that's what people want. I don't know. People like dumb shit. That's why they listen like to us. us. <laughs> we both made the same show at the same time. Good job. Good job. Oh, I'm Mario, by the way. Oh, I'm also Mario. What? <laughs> you changed your name. I don't know why that was so funny. <laughs> what? What? I'm Chloe. I think I, I stole that from Stewie. <laughs> yeah, he Family does guy. do that. He does that a lot. I don't think he was like the first one to do it, but I think that's why. And I he like that. tilts his head. Just like we say bye because bye. That, that's what they do on MFM. <laughs> we no, I I said that before I started listening to oh, really? them. I, I definitely got best, it from them. Me and my best friend used to say bye. Yeah. Bye. I guess a lot of people do that. I don't know. I don't really know where it came from, but. Who knows? It's a mystery. <gasps> <laughs> Another mystery. When I asked my friend Rob what his favorite mystery was, he said it was like. 
he like where did his underwear go because it was in the dryer and now right. and then it wasn't did i say right. that before did I, I tell I'm that story sure. i don't know but it is truly a mystery where where do the lost socks and underwear yeah, of the good world go fucking question all my good socks are gone i need to like get a new like big bundle of of socks that aren't aren't ankle socks that'll like be halfway like <laughs> like in the heel of my shoe by like the middle of the day yeah <laughs> Those True. are all my socks right now. Sucks. They've lost their viv and vigor. Viv? Vim. What? Vim, vigor. Vim I and you vigor. Said viv. I did. I think I meant to say vim. What's vim? It's it's like pet like energy, like power. Energy, 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 energy. That's one of my old timey sayings and words that I like to do. <laughs> you kids get off my lawn. <laughs> I like to talk like a grandpa. <laughs> you are a grandpa. Almost. I'm going to be an uncle soon. <laughs> is that's that so that's kind of close? Yeah, yeah, that is cute. Yeah, my older brother, he and his wife are having a baby. I'm an aunt four times over. I I'm know. 10 years younger than you. It's all Hey, my mom was an aunt before she was born. That's so funny. I mean, my mom well, was an so aunt was before I. she was born. Well, so was I. One of my one of my nephews is older than me. Exactly. It's funny how that works. It can, it can happen. It can you, you can be your own grandpa. It's like when like, you're the kid of a second marriage. Yeah. Or when you're the last of six and your mom had your oldest sibling over 20 years before you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that how it works with your mom? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it was only her and like a couple of her siblings, uh, maybe two or three of her siblings who were actually still in the house when she was like growing up. Or some of some of them were at least out of the house by the time she was. Like, They're like born. my my half nephews. Mm-hmm. Two of them, but the other two are actually my like brothers' kids. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, family genealogy. Yay! Yay! Um, so who should go first? My, I'm doing sports mysteries again, so mine again. It's oh, like part two, part two. A little part two. I think. Well, mine. Sports. Sorry, I just burped. Twenty-two, whatever. one. Sports. 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 It's a thing to the other team. Yay! Go team. Own goal. Uh, hole in one. Have you ever seen a team do an own goal? A what? So that's when you make the basket or the the whatever you know point making thing. Into your own goal. And you oh, make points that. for the other team. I did that in gym class a lot. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I didn't give a flying fuck. I was like, oh. Fuck because you guys. also, like, in the middle of the game, we would, like, switch. What? Like, oh, now, like, after, like, half like halftime or whatever. Uh-huh. Oh, now, like, this. Now our basket is this basket. And well, yeah, that's how it always is. Stupid. <laughs> well, that's how the game works. <laughs> Whose idea was that? Probably, um, wait, who invented basketball? Your mom. Uh, no. James James Naismith. Naismith. See, in my head, I was thinking, like, Joe, like, not, not Naismith, something, yeah, Joe, yeah, that's right, <laughs> Naismith. 
yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay, uh, okay. I do it. Uh, I do yeah. it. You should go first. I, sh- I should cut this part down because <laughs> I can edit this one. Yeah. <laughs> Go first. I'm going to go first. Okay, so sports mysteries number two. So uh, Sports. So as I said, so as I said in the (laughs) B, or at the end of the last episode, um, I'm going to do the the one that I I mentioned that I didn't do the last time. So that is, bum, bada, bum, deflate gate. One of the biggest and most annoying mysteries of the past <laughs> few years in in uh, in, in sports. Okay, well, it just it just like dragged on and on, okay? So, deflate gate. It's this like allegation Watergate. like yeah, exactly, like Watergate, you know, Spygate, you know, it's this whole thing that we do now where you have to put gate at the end of it just because the Watergate hotel happened to have gate at the end of it, which is Kind of annoying in and of itself. Like, I feel like we should come up with something else 45 years later. Right. Right. So it's alleged that during the AFC Championship game in 2015. Okay, what sport is this? This is the NFL, football. Okay. Football. Are you ready for some football? Never. Football is so boring. <laughs> so I do tend to fall asleep <laughs> during football games. Like I, told, I did the other day. Um, <laughs> so the AFC Championship game, so this is the, the one before the Super Bowl, right? In 2015, the New England Patriots are playing the, um, the uh, Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts allege that the Patriots intentionally deflated balls, the, the the footballs, to make it easier for Tom Brady to throw. I think I heard about this. Yeah, it was like a big deal. They talked about it like every single day on ESPN Radio. And this <laughs> is when I was listening to ESPN Radio like every single day. And um, anyway, apparently Tom Brady likes his balls a little softer. Oh, he does? Apparently he is likes them to be a little... he likes his balls? Also silky smooth. <laughs> That's what I hear. I'm not sure. I've never taught. I mean, I don't know that much about Tom Brady's balls. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently that's how he likes them. So during the game, Colt linebacker Dequell Jackson intercepted a pass by Tom Brady. And you're reading ahead. No, and no, no. I'm trying to see how you spell that name. Dequell. Dequell? Yeah, Dequell Jackson. Okay. Uh, intercepted a Brady pass and handed the ball over to his equipment manager. And um, the equipment manager apparently noticed that the ball was kind of, like, deflated, right? So he talks to— So this to, was, like, the game ball? No, the each side um, has their own balls. There's, like, a, d- a dozen of them or something for each side. Oh. Um, so the Colts asked the officials to look at the, um, the, the New England Patriots footballs at halftime. And at first, the official who was checking them, Gary Austin— incorrectly said that 11 of the 12 balls were deflated. So that was, like, the information that kind of went out initially. But when it was, like, looked back, and I'll I'll kind of explain how this can be, um, it was actually just one ball that was deflated. And a lot of them were just, like, really close to the minimum. So Mm. basically the way they do this is they do, um, for each ball, two checks with with two different um, pieces of equipment, right? Okay. And then average them. So what the official Austin was doing was cherry picking measurements to make it seem like more of them were deflated than really were. So do you think he kind of had a little thing against? Mm, I don't know. Maybe. I guess that's the mystery. Right. Uh, he, he was probably a Colts fan. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make that totally unfounded allegation right here, right now. So uh, Mr. Gary or Jerry Austin. I actually don't really know. Um 
or Larry, maybe. So Terry. Or Terry, perhaps. So also, <laughs> some people think that the fact that these balls were so close to being deflated or maybe just deflated were was partly due to the fact that it was really fucking cold as well. Which, as we all know, law of third thermodynamics, right, that things that are colder tend to deflate, things that are hotter tend to expand because hot air is uh, less dense uh, than cold air. So, importantly, the officials also then reinflated all of the Patriots' balls for the second half, and the Patriots did way better in the second half. They, like, crushed the Colts, mostly in the second half. Does that really have anything to do with the ball? Well, just the notion that the deflation had something to do with, you know, Tom Brady's performance, they don't really seem to have gone together. Because, again, when the balls were properly deflated, we know Tom Brady did better, actually. So th- this whole notion that it like he liked him to be more deflated, it, it seems, I don't know. That, that seems to me to kind of discredit that notion, right? So there's a lengthy investigation that ensues from this alleged incident. Oh. And also, as I've said before, hours and hours of endless ESPN sports commentary, (laughs) which I personally remember. What was the weather like that day? Um, I don't recall specifically, but I recall them saying that it was very cold. Okay. Uh, Because, again, this is the AFC Championship game, which occurs in, like, January. Okay, okay. Um, And, you know, I'm not sure if... This was at the Colts or at the Patriots, but either way, it's north. So it's, it's going to be pretty cold. It's so cold. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, there was even a lot of, like, physics discussions. Like, they would have physicists, like, come <laughs> on to programs. And, like, there was a guy from a university who, like, did a study to, like, try to establish. If you read the Wikipedia page, there's a whole section of it, which I did not read, that is extremely technical with, like, diagrams and you know, like uh, physics formulae and and all this crazy shit. (laughs) And of course the Patriots and Tom Brady disclaimed any wrongdoing. They did not say that they said they did not do anything to these balls that was untoward that they would normally do, um, to care for these precious balls. So, however, there was video that did surface of a Patriots attendant, a locker room attendant, um, taking all 24 of the game balls, so the Colts balls and the Patriots balls, into a restroom for about 90 seconds. And that's that's kind of the central mystery to all of this, is what happened in that minute and what a half. What happened to the balls? What ha- I want to ask you, Patriots locker room attendant, what happened to those balls in the bathroom? <laughs> and I know that's not a question that you hear all the time. Or is it? Or is it? Um, (laughs) I don't know. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. So eventually, a Manhattan-based attorney named Ted Wells. They brought in an attorney? Yes. The NFL brought in a Manhattan-based big, you know, kind of high-priced attorney named Ted Wells to... I feel like he has, like, other things to do. (laughs) Well, sure. But, you know, I mean... He's not going to turn down some money, right? I'm t- and I'm sure he got paid handsomely for this. Um, so the NFL brought Ted Wells in to try to, you know, kind of get to the bottom of everything. And Ted Wells concluded that it was, quote, more probable than not that paid the Patriots circumvented the rules and, importantly, that Tom Brady himself was aware of what was happening. But 
that Belichick, the head coach, and the other members of the coaching staff were not aware of what was happening. So that's so what Ted Wells said. What makes him think that? There were text messages. Uh, that's kind of the most incriminating piece of evidence that came okay. up between a couple of the low-level members of the Patriots staff, including, I believe, that locker room attendant uh, whom I mentioned earlier, um, basically saying, like, hey, you know, this whole thing, like, we were involved, like, kind of laying it out. But, of course, they say this was all just a joke, that they were they were kind of, like, making fun of the situation, not confessing to the crime. And it, it it's just really not clear one way or the other. And their text messages also made it clear that if they weren't joking around, that Tom Brady clearly was involved and aware of it. They were, like, doing this for him. So it, it, if that is actually real, then it's pretty indicative, right? And there were sanctions that were placed at that point um, based on the Ted Wells report on Tom Brady. But that is not where the story ends because there were a plethora of appeals that ensued from there. And, and again, if you want to read about all of this, you can go on to the Wikipedia page. There is way too much to get into. <laughs> Suffice it to say, it gets up to the U.S. District Court and then the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. So it gets all the way to just below the Supreme Court. Wow. Yeah. And the Second Circuit Court of Appeals eventually finds that what the NFL had told Tom Brady was going to be his suspension at the at the beginning was a little too harsh, but Brady ends up spent, spent, uh, uh, serving rather a four-game suspension at the beginning of the 2016 season. So, so it took like a full year for this thing to play out, basically. So he did deflate the balls? Well, he himself probably or didn't like the, do anything, the, but the, the, the locker room. It seems fairly clear that something happened. I feel like... But whether Tom Brady was involved, I don't know. Is not a, a long enough time exactly. to deflate twenty four or twelve. I guess I'm not sure why he would have brought the other twelve in. Yeah, it's not clear what. But, but even, I, even I agree. Well, even twelve. I agree. And you want to make it look like it's not like flopping around. Like you want right. to make it still look like. Well, and that's what they said too. That the the balls, even the one that that actually was deflated, you couldn't tell. Like. It wasn't immediately clear from, like, looking at it. There's, like, a cursory kind of, like, you know, examination. So I'm not sure whether the Colts, you know, manager or whatever who you got the ball from... think he was just trying to, like, stir the pot or... Maybe, you know. I mean, clearly, you know, there was some, um, you know, gamesmanship going on here. I mean, the Colts didn't do this for no reason, right? They were trying to get an advantage with the officials, right? Or whatever, but, um, you know, that's what ended up happening, and we'll really never know whether, you know, Tom Brady is telling the truth or not, but I think, personally, that something did happen, but that Tom Brady was probably not involved. That's that's the conclusion I kind of came to after all of that, but we'll never really know. So, that is the mystery of Deflategate. Tom Brady is always on those... Uggs. Billboards. Oh, billboards. Yeah, billboards. Billboards. <laughs> for yeah. uh, Uggs. No, for <laughs> hair loss. Oh, is he? Yeah. I haven't seen that. I don't it's know. like all down to I two ninety five. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I haven't seen that. Maybe it's 
Maybe it's Jay Cutler. That would make a lot more sense because Tom Brady pays for the Patriots, not the Bears. You know what? <laughs> it's probably And you know Cutler. what? You probably don't see those anymore because Jay Cutler's not the Bears quarterback anymore. Well, so that's why he's doing like oh, hair loss yeah. advertisement. Right, right, right. That's true. That's true. Well, and commentating. But anyway. Um, I don't care. Sports. I moving don't on. care. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, okay, so this is one of the biggest sports mysteries of all time. Why did Michael Jordan retire the first time? Not the other two times. Oh. Uh, I think there were two more times. So this, uh, you know, again, one of the biggest mysteries in modern sports history Um but what there is no mystery about, really, is that Michael Jordan is almost universally known as the greatest basketball player of all time, right? If you know anything about basketball, you know Michael Jordan. There used to be a poster of him in my mom's bathroom. Oh, really? That's yeah. funny. Because, <laughs> again, Chicago. We're, we're near Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. Dub Bears. Dub Bears. Dub Bears. Um, so, sausage. Sausage. Add attack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having an heart attack. So anyway, uh, he, Michael Jordan, again, if, if just if, you, if you're not familiar, is six-time, of course, NBA champion, six-time finals MVP, five-time regular uh, season MVP, 14-time All-Star, NBA Defensive Player of the Year, scoring champion for 10 seasons, Damn. and just, again, universally known as the greatest player of all time. Although so some people will say, you know, to us non-sports people, uh -huh. why it's such a big deal that he retired? Because it okay. Just think about it in 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 another context, right? Okay. So, uh, say Leonardo DiCaprio had retired after Titanic. Oh, so it's like you know what the it was very unexpected. Yeah, th this is like the greatest at anything, sort of like stopping halfway, you know, through their, you know, through their careers. Um, if, if FDR had said, no, I'll just stop after one term, you know. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Um, or that's, that's a bit of an archaic, uh, reference there, but anyway, <laughs> you, you get the idea. A, a, uh, a person at the, at the height, uh, in the world at their particular discipline choosing to give it up. You know, so that this really rocked the sports world um, when he decided to do this. And, and you know, not only did he have all these personal accolades, right? He had just, Michael Jordan had just completed his first, eventually, of two three-peats, right? So winning three NBA championships in a row. Oh, my God. And, and he did that twice? He did that twice. That's nuts. So this is 1993, right? So the Bulls had just won their third championship in a row. And during that, uh, the final uh, series of that championship in 1993, Michael Jordan had averaged 41 points a game. Jesus. Averaged 41 points a game. And despite this being, you know, on top, undisputably of the NBA world, Michael Jordan announced that he was giving it all up on October 6th, 1993. Uh, he had a, a, a press conference. Uh, he said, among other things, quote, if you ride a roller coaster for nine years, don't you want to ride something else? Uh, that's the way I feel right now. I run. A, I want to ride something else. Uh, close quote. Basically, he said he got bored. It, it was what? too easy. Um, you know, I'm sorry. This is like 
mind blowing to me because <laughs> I don't know. There, there's just like so many. There's just like millions of like kids out there who like, I know. That's like they're like hu- that's like their thing. That's like their biggest dream. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Jordan's just kind of bored yeah, over it. Like, Meh, I'm over it. I already did it. I climbed the mountain. You know what? Have, I've got nothing else to prove. I may as well go try to climb a different mountain. So, which I think it's, it, you know, it's I mean, not. I guess it makes. I think it makes a kind of. It makes a kind of sense, right? It's not unreasonable. That this could have been the real explanation, but again, it is kind of a mystery because not everyone takes what he said sort of at face value, right? Right. It really could mean anything. It's not like a concrete true statement and there are sort of myriad theories and conspiracy theories that have arisen out of out of this right but there are two that that kind of stand out so one sort of popular theory centers around jordan's penchant for gambling okay which which he undisputedly had he was he was a big gambler uh during the bulls uh playoff run in 1993 uh, there was a controversy that arose when Jordan was seen gambling in Atlantic City the night before a game against the Knicks. So essentially, he took like I think a pl- a plane from New York to Atlantic City, was gambling. He says only until like eleven thirty at night, but other people said it was later, and then flew back to New York and played a NBA basketball game, and it, I think it was Game Three of of the uh, of the the Eastern semis, I think, um, in Madison Square Garden that night. So that's so, very strange. So a little irresponsible, right? I mean, probably not what you should be doing if your head is really in this NBA game. Which I guess maybe it wasn't because he decided to retire not too long after that. Um, so this, you know, stunned the sports world. Uh, his retirement, obviously, and um, you know. What also stunned the sports world was that he then announced that he was going to play baseball, right? Right, right. Right. Um, the only reason I know about this is because I saw Space Jam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the legend of Space Jam. Oh, uh, just a couple of more things about the, the gambling um, allegations. So Jordan did admit to losing uh, $57,000 in gambling debts in a weekend, in one weekend, to a convicted drug dealer named James Buller. Um, so what happened was James Buller was, was getting um, – he was on trial, right, for, for his various crimes, whatever they were. Um, and police found a personal check for $57,000 from one Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. So, of course, they bring Jordan in. Initially, he tells the cops that this was a business loan. But when he was actually on the stand under oath, he admitted that it was actually for gambling debts. Oh. So, yeah, not again, not great. Um, there was also this guy named Richard Aquinas, who's a, a friend of uh, Michael Jordan's, who wrote a, bl- a book claiming that he had won somewhere between $900,000 and $1.25 million from Michael Jordan on the golf course. Because apparently Michael Jordan loved, probably still loves, to bet on golf. That's okay. like one of his favorite things. Which, again, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah. If, you know... It's a lot of money, though. <laughs> it's a lot of money. I mean, even for Michael Jordan, that's a lot of fucking yeah. money. You know, I mean, eventually he'd become a billionaire, but 
at this point, he wasn't quite there yet, right? So still a, quite a sum of money. So the NBA launched an investigation um, into, you know, mainly the allegations that he may have been betting, of course, on his own games or NBA games, because that really would be really, really bad, right? Yeah. But that was never proven. Um, and the investigation concluded that he had not actually violated any league rules. But there's always been this kind of haze, this kind of idea that, um, you know, this may have he may have been pushed out right because of these allegations to sort of mm. spare the league the embarrassment of having this all come out. Mm. Now, does that really make sense? As Steve Kerr pointed out in the thirty for thirty, Jordan rides the bus. Not really. It, it kind of doesn't really make sense just just on its face, right? Um, Why is that called Jordan rides the bus? Because uh, in the minor leagues in the MLB, you ride a bus. So instead of flying in the jets, he was riding the bus. Although it should also be noted that it was a premium, uh, super nice bus that he bought for the team. Yeah, it wasn't the bus that they were riding the year beforehand. It was the bus that he himself actually bought. TVs and microwaves and (laughs) shit. It was a nice ass bus. The the other players who, you know, were playing with him that year, they they got treated (laughs) in in a lot of different ways. Treat yourself. Um so the uh, one other thing that kind of fueled speculation about this notion that he got pushed out because of the gambling thing was that at the press conference that I was talking about earlier, um, Michael Jordan also said that if he were ever to return to the uh, – he was asked if he would ever return to the NBA, right? Yeah. And he said, quote, five years down the road, if the urge comes back, if the Bulls will have me, if David Stern lets me back in the league, I may come back, close quote. So that little part – Did he? If David Stern lets me back in. He, we, yes, he did. Oh. Yeah, spoiler alert, he won three more championships <laughs> in the NBA. Oh, <laughs> so he retired like – oh, okay. This is the first So time. it wasn't after – no, Six no, no. championships and no, after no, no. three. After three, yeah. This is 1993 after the first three. So um, that, you know, phraseology, if David Stern had let me back, has caused some to believe that, that he was the then out? NBA commissioner, David Stern, forced Jordan out of the league because of the bad press or to cover up the gambling, knowing that he would always, you know, come back a little bit later, just kind of. You know, we'll, let it die we'll down. Let it, yeah, exactly. Well, sort of like, you know, Michael going to Italy, you know, after he shot the police chief and the, you know, the other guy, the drug guy. You remember when we watched The Godfather? Michael Corleone? Oh! The Godfather, you know, when he went. I was like, what? He and, and then he had the other one. Michael? The other girl. Michael Jordan shot somebody? Apollonia. What? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, Michael, Michael. You know, that's, Dude, that they, shit was sad. I know. He like got married and then and then she got blown up. That yeah. was fucked up. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen The Godfather, then fuck you, go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so after Jordan's retirement, um, again the NBA cleared him of any wrongdoing. No evidence was ever shown that he had ever bet on any basketball games, let alone his own basketball games. Though he did again admit to betting on a lot of golf games. Um, so this theory is also discredited by the fact that when Michael returned to the NBA, for one thing, they actually held the, I think it was the All-Star game in Las Vegas that year, and he and his teammates, like, went out gambling. Like, the NBA didn't have any issue with him gambling. Like, M- NBA okay. players gamble all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, like, they, especially, he's not, like, the only one no, that's, no, like, no. out there doing that. They actually play cards with each other all the time, sometimes for quite high stakes. Ooh. I think they usually play Paco, actually. 
or no Bure. They play Bure. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, which never heard which of is a game that I played because I am part Cajun and it's oh, it yeah. like it's from Louisiana and stuff. So anyway, um, mm, you know what sounds great right now? Gumbo, Cajun chicken. Oh yeah, yeah. Some rice or fries with Cajun seasoning. Ooh, I know, right? So good. So <laughs> the other theory—it's a lot sadder. But about to get a little bit of a downer here, but okay. um, the other theory sort of centers on the very tragic death of Michael Jordan's father, James Jordan. Okay. So James Jordan um, was killed on his way home from a funeral when he was driving oh. home on July 23rd, 1993. He was pulled over on the side of the road because apparently he was tired. He may also have had a little too much to drink. And he was taking a nap on the side of U.S. Highway 74, just north um, of uh, Lumberton, uh, North Carolina, just over the North Carolina-South Carolina border on his way back to Charlotte. So the two perps, this, you know, two young guys, I think one was 19, one was 20, 21, uh, noticed the flashy red Lexus uh, that Michael had bought his father um, with the license plate UNC0023 and for whatever reason, shot James Jordan as he slept in the sh- <gasps> in, in the car, in his chest. Yeah. Oh, my God. And stole the car um, and dragged his body over into a, uh, a creek where it was found on August 3rd. Um, and it had it, it was extremely decomposed by that time, of course. But what was it was it? like a couple weeks later. Um, well, it was July twenty third to August third. Oh, okay. so oh, this was yeah. about ten days later or so. Wow. And um, James Jordan was eventually um, identified through dental records. Actually, oh my God. now the perps were actually immediately captured as they very very stupidly made calls from James Jordan's cell phone. Ugh. Which, of course, were immediately tracked down, and they were found and, and taken um, into custody, and eventually they were both sentenced to life in prison. Yeah, fuck those guys. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and Michael and his dad, of course, you know, they were very, very close, um, as, as, as you'll know if you know any, anything kind of about Michael Jordan. Um, he had actually given his dad two of his championship rings up to that point. <gasps> oh. And they were actually in the car at the time. They were, like, stolen along with the car at the time. Um, so, obviously, this had a very profound effect on on Michael when this happened. And, again, we're talking the timeline here, right? This is July 1993. And he retired in, you know, whatever it was, you know, 1993. So so this is very close to when, when this happened. Um, you know, this all happened at, in uh, around the same time, I should say. And James Jordan had also always dreamed that his son would be a professional baseball player, right? So many believe that his retirement, his decision to go into baseball was tied to James Jordan's wish that he do this. Uh, And James Jordan had also played semi-pro baseball himself, and they had frequently, he and Michael talked about Michael playing professional baseball uh, ever since he was a little kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And he played baseball, you know, through his uh, senior year uh, when he had to give it up. He actually lost his eligibility in high school baseball because he played in the uh, McDonald's All-American game in basketball. I'm not sure why, but I, I guess those are the rules, or at least they were in North Carolina at that time. So... This um, theory that it had to do with his dad's death and everything, it's a little bit disputed. Um, I guess it's plausible. I think it's very plausible. Um, 
it, it's a little bit disputed by Michael's longtime mentor and coach, uh, Phil Jackson, who, of course, famously went on to win many championships, five of them also, with Kobe in uh, the Lakers. He's like the the most you know decorated coach of all time in the NBA, Phil Jackson. Um, but Michael himself did say that he retired because he had tired of playing the game, but also that his father's death influenced the decision as well, that it was kind of like, in his words, the last straw. And basically that he had nothing left to prove in the NBA world, right? However, he also said that the decision turned on his um, being kind of tired after playing with the 1992 NBA, uh, or sorry, the Olympics dream team. So this was the, mm. the the 1992 team that, you know, was kind of like the biggest deal ever, right? They so were I rock stars. They begs, were like the Beatles, you know, going abroad and, and uh, playing in the 1992 Olympics. I guess that begs the question, like, if that was the reason he retired, why mm-hmm. did he go back? Oh, I, and I was actually just about to get to that. Okay. Um, so what you'll also have to know in terms of sports history is that the MLB was at this time, 1994, 1995, mired in the worst contract dispute in modern baseball history. So the uh, – and, and was actually on strike at the time. So Jordan said, okay, you know, I made it through double A. Um, I'm not going to cross the picket line. I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, a replacement player because um, he just wasn't going to do that. And he didn't want to wait around for this whole thing to get, you know, resolved. Yeah. Um, they actually didn't even have a World Series in 1994. Like, that's how bad this thing got. Oh like, they literally canceled the World Series. Yeah. Um, it, and it was actually most of the way through the regular season when this happened. Like, this, this was just an insane thing that, that occurred. So he says, you know, 1995 – that um, he's going to return to the Bulls. And he uh, actually puts out this two-word statement. It's like a thing that only Michael Jordan could have done, saying literally, quote, I'm back. Close quote. (laughs) Two fucking words. Oh, that's John Cena. Mike fucking drop. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) Because when you're Michael Jordan, you can do that. Um, And, of course, not that year, but... The three years subsequent to that led the Bulls on another three-peat, leaving behind a sports mystery for the ages. But what it also did was spawned a couple of um, what I'll get into now, which are a series of sports what-ifs. So this is a particular kind of sports mystery, the sort of – query of what if this had occurred? What if that had not occurred? And what would be the implications of that? This, this is kind of a thing in, in like sports writing and, and sports radio and stuff that, that people talk about. So I'm going to get into a few of these. And first of all, in reference to Jordan, two of them. Could Jordan have made it in the MLB if that strike hadn't happened? And would the Bulls have won two more championships in 93 and 95, right? Right, if he didn't retire in the first place. If he hadn't retired in the first place. So as to the first one, probably, he probably would have made it into the, at least into the MLB, but many people did have their doubts, including famously a sports writer for Sports Illustrated at the time who wrote 
what what was a pretty demeaning article about how Michael shouldn't even be doing this and he should just like give it up even before he had really started. And that really pissed off Michael Jordan up to and including today. Like he has not given an interview. I, I believe this is the case to Sports Illustrated since that time. Because of how pissed off he was about this. That from was that, 25 years ago. From that, like, one reporter, he yeah, just... exactly. From that one article. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, hey, I mean... Yeah, I when mean... When you've got that kind of power, you got to choose where you want to put it, right? True. No, that's... A, that, that's a, I, I don't entirely blame him. So, the other thing you have to understand is that... His numbers weren't great um, with, with, with the double-A uh, team, with, with the Barons, uh, the double-A uh, affiliate out of uh, Birmingham, I believe, uh, for the White Sox. I think he ended up hitting like 202, which is not great. What that means is he hit t- uh, 20% of the time he got a hit. Um, where you want to be in baseball is somewhere between 250 and 300. If you're hitting 300 over 300, that's really good. If you're hitting 200 or less, that's really bad. 200 is called the Mendoza line. Um, it's sort of seen as like the the bare minimum that you can do to kind of stay who's, around. Who's Mendoza? Uh, he was a player, I believe, from the 70s or 80s. Just some random player. They ended up naming this after him because he like hit exactly 200 or something. I don't know too much about it. I read the Wikipedia page one time, but it was kind of a while ago. So anyway, um, let's not kid ourselves, though, that of course Michael Jordan would have been given a chance in the major leagues. Like, there was no way they weren't going to bring him up at some point, even for just a game. And he was getting better. His numbers improved when he went to play in, I believe it, it was the the fall league or the spring league or whatever. After the double A season had ended, he hit like two fifty and thirty something games against oh wow fairly similar competition. So he was like at where you'd want to be, I guess. Yeah, and and you know again, um, there's a particular part in the the documentary, you know, that Jordan rides the bus thirty for thirty. Um, where this, I can't remember who it was, talking about how, you know, he's seen these kind of guys before, right? They're a little older, because, again, he was 30 years old at this time. They had this dream old of... old man. I mean, for, for an MLB rookie, that's kind of an old man. Um, but had he had this dream, right? Just like other kind of older guys, so to speak, coming in, wanting to do this, you know... He was improving. His numbers had gotten better over the course of the double A season. His um, work ethic was really, really good. Like he would come in at 730 every day to work with the hitting coach. He showed up a week early for spring training. Um, he wasn't slacking and, and he wasn't assuming that he could just do this because he was Michael Jordan. He knew that he hadn't really played a game of baseball in 13 years at this point. Right, because again, he he stopped playing um, baseball that's, his senior year of high school. That's humbling. Very very humbling. So you know, it, it it's possible, but who knows? So anyway, in terms of the other one, I think the Bulls almost certainly would have won two more championships. Right? Like, of, of course they would have. Um, you know, they were pretty hobbled without him, but they still made it pretty far into the playoffs those two years. They were still like a solid team. You know, Steve Kerr, uh, John Paxson, um, you know, uh, all the other great players, you know, uh, who were on that team. And, and I think clearly they, they probably would have won those, at least one of those other two championships. Sammy Sosa. Uh, of course, the great Sammy Sosa. He was uh, on the team. Uh, 
Exactly, of course, of course. <laughs> Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, you yes, know. the great Babe Ruth, of course. Tiger Woods. He was up there, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I remember that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so let, let's get into just a few more, um, briefly, so a few more sports what-ifs. So you'll like this one. What if Steve Bartman had not come to the 2003 NLCS Cubs game? So who? Steve Bartman, Cubs fan. <laughs> you'll like this. A uh, who? <laughs> Cubs fan. Uh, it's had to do with the Cubs, so it's a Chicago thing. Cubs! Yeah. So, as many of you will know, if, if you know kind of anything about the Cubs history and things, they're, they're cursed, right? The, 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 the curse of the goat, whatever. Um, when, supposedly, they wouldn't let this guy with a goat into the place, in, into Wrigley oh, Field, and so he cursed them. this is where it blah, started. Blah, 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 okay, blah. okay, got it. It was supposed to end at this point, right? The The Cubs were really good. They were going to make it to the World Series. They were going to win it. But supposedly this is what turned everything. So this was in the uh, NLCS, um, the series right before the World Series. And Moises Alou on the Cubs was going up to catch the final out in, I believe, the seventh or eighth inning um, of the sixth game, I believe, of this series. And... Cubs fan Steve Bartman reached out and appeared to have interfered with Moises Alou so that he could not catch the ball. Therefore, the other team made a run. They made a bunch of other runs. They ended up the Cubs ended up losing the game, losing the series, and all of this, everything was blamed on Steve Bartman. Yeah. This guy press. was like shunned, right? Oh yeah. He was literally shunned. He, he was maligned in the press. All the players were saying terrible things about him. All the people in Chicago hated him. He could not show his face in public literally up until the Cubs won the World Series 13 years later in 2016 when finally people were like, okay, Steve Bartman, we'll forgive you. Oh, my God. <laughs> even, though, even though, again, it's not at all clear that this had anything to do <laughs> with yeah, but anything. Yeah, but at that point, you, like, need someone to blame, right? He was he was completely the scapegoat. Um, but again, that's the mystery, right? What Would the Cubs have won the series and therefore gone on to win the World Series 13 years earlier than they did, breaking, you know, what at that point would have been an 85-year drought uh, instead of having to wait over 100 years as they did? So anyway, we'll never know. So next one, what if LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James, what if LeBron James had, like LeBron ain't six springs, Bron Bron, what if Bron Bron had gone to college? We have seven what? Rings, didn't he no. bring seven? Oh God, no. Championship? No, I believe he has three. He oh. won two in Miami and one in Cleveland. And why not going to win one in L.A. this year. That's for why does Mickey sure. say he has six? Um, Probably talking about Michael Jordan because Michael no, Jordan has six. she says LeBron. Well, she says like LeBron ain't got six rings. Because he ain't got six rings. Like Mo- Michael, he ain't got six rings. Moving <laughs> he on. He only got three. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> You'll never be as good, LeBron. I just want to tell you that because I'm sure you're listening right now. So, uh, any- yeah. right. LeBron James listens to our cute little podcast. Hey, we've been getting a lot of listens from L.A. 
Oh, it, hell yeah. It could be him. I want to go to L.A. I know, right? All the cool people live there. If you want to pay for us to go to L.A., email mysterymurderythingy at gmail.com. 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 So in 2003, LeBron decided to go straight from high school to the NBA, which you could do at that time. They didn't change the rule until 2006, uh, disallowing this, although it's gone kind of back and forth, right? So he probably would have gone to either Ohio State or the University of Akron, because, again, he's from Akron, Ohio. Not Illinois State? No. What? And definitely not. And Did he, you know the football team? Or not the football team. The basketball team's going to the Cayman Islands. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that dope? Uh, well, just because, like, one of the guys on the basketball team was, like, in my group project, and he was like, yeah, guys, we got to finish this, because, like... Like me, the guys are like headed to the Cayman Islands. <laughs> humble brag, <laughs> humble brag. Nah, he's a cool dude. <laughs> so, LeBron definitely, though, I think would have won a national championship um, if he would have gone to either of them. I mean, I think he could have won a national championship in the NCAA like one on five. I mean, let's not kid ourselves, right? He would have fucking crushed those guys. You can watch clips of him playing in high school. It is insane. Like, he is a fully grown, like, all-star level NBA player playing against, like, some fucking random 15-year-old kid from Akron or Cincinnati or whatever. Wow. Like, it's, it's crazy. So he was, like, born to be oh, yeah. in the NBA. Like, he has been touted as the next greatest thing, like, literally since he was, like, 10 or 11 years old. He was, like, get like when he was in middle school, he was getting, like, big-name press. Um, Damn. Yeah. There were other guys like that, like Chris Paul um, was another guy, although he hasn't really necessarily lived up to those. I think they're actually playing together in L.A. now, actually, uh, which is weird to think about. But anyway, um, yeah, LeBron, he's he's always Paul been in the spotlight. Dude? Chris Paul is not a white dude. He is a black dude. Like was, LeBron James. If he was a white dude, I would have been like, well, that's why. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so he also probably, LeBron also probably wouldn't have been drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers, which I think is interesting to think about since that became so much of his kind of like pers- persona right at the beginning. I think the real mysteries here is what the fuck is a Cavalier? A Cavalier is like a... Um, it, it's it's like a some sort of like uh, mount mounted uh, guy. It it it's like a like a knight, but but like not official or something. It he's like a cavalier. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. He he rides I a horse. Told you it's a mystery. I know he rides a horse. <laughs> that I know for sure. <laughs> that I know. So um, again, I'm gonna bring it down a little bit here. A pretty sad one. What if Lynn Bias had not died? Okay, is this the guy with like a ton of potential and yes. like? Oh. So this is 1986, the year I was born. University of Maryland. Cool. You're welcome um, for being born. The University of Maryland. Lynn Bias was a senior, and he was a standout basketball player. Uh, he was actually the second overall pick that year by. The Celtics. Oh, wow. So he would have stayed so he was up there. pretty close to home. Yeah, and he was, like, really up there. He was averaging 23 points a game his senior year, and he was on the first team. Damn, as a high American schooler? Team. No, as a college player. Oh, okay. Yeah, a high school but still. Uh, or a, a senior college player, yeah. Um, so, again, the second overall pick um, in the whole country. And he was going to go to the Celtics, continue his dominance. Um, he was a, a sort of big, small forward, power forward. So he was going to be slotted in to basically be Larry Bird's replacement. Um, he was going to ease Larry Bird out of the league um, because at that point – 
you know, Larry Bird was kind of getting to the twilight of his years. Um, if you don't know Larry Bird, one of the best players of all time, he is white, um, but can do everything. Uh, he was one of the greatest passers of all time. That's a, he has a cool the name. Greatest shooters of all time. He would actually, what's funny about Larry Bird, sometimes he, he would get bored of how good he was and he would shoot um, free throws left-handed. He was right-handed, but he would shoot them left-handed just to, so he could, like, give himself more of a... He, he would um, shoot uh, free throws um, with his eyes closed. Wow, I hate him. Yeah, he was a dick. He would go up oh, to you... Oh, was he really? I was joking. Oh, no, he was a big dick about it. Like, he would go up to you, like, in the first, um, you know, half of a game or whatever and be like, Hey, hey, I'm going to make a three on you in the middle of the third quarter right over there in your face and you won't be able to stop me. So just so you know. And then he would do it. And he would <laughs> always make it. Yeah, he was crazy. I'm sorry, that's funny as hell. Yeah, he was <laughs> That's amazing. like a dick move, but it's like... <laughs> yeah. I kind of want to tip my head off to him. <laughs> and that tells you how good Len Bias was, that he was perceived as being, like, like the successor gonna, to this like, guy. Yeah. yeah, he was, like, the next Larry Bird coming in, basically. Um, but unfortunately, mm. very, very tragically, the night of his college graduation, he goes to a party, tries cocaine for the first time time in his life and immediately I believe went into cardiac arrest and died that night. Enormous tragedy. Um, personal human tragedy of course but also a huge and, and one of the biggest sports tragedies of all time oh and is the that, biggest what ifs. Is that rare? Is it rare? It is rare for people to die like the first time. Like your very first time? It is rare, but it can happen. I mean, oh, there, there are certain drugs where the first time you take them, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you have a bad reaction to it, maybe he, maybe he was allergic to it, or maybe, yeah. you know, his heart just had some sort of congenital condition to where it couldn't handle it. I'm not sure. But yes, you, it is possible, definitely, to die the oh, first time you try cocaine. sad. Terrible, terrible. Um... And to lighten it up just a little bit, um, although this, <laughs> this is a little bit dark as well, um, this is going to be my last one because uh, I've gone on for kind of a long time. Um, what if the Donald, Ew, what? Donald John Trump, Ew. what if the Donald had bought the Bills in 2014? So one oh, thing, like the, the football team that hasn't like, won ever? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> like the NFL, terrible football teams. <laughs> You know, Donald Trump, even I know of them because they're so bad. He's sort of like the bills of people, right? Ew, he just, he's he, so gross. He, he just he can't winning. You know, he he thinks he's winning, but he's he's not really. It's not really winning. Um, and anyway. I feel like if I saw him in real life, I would like I would like vomit. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, there he is! <laughs> oh my god, it's so much worse in person. Um, so the Donald. Very into sports. Don't call um, him that. I love to call him the Donald uh, <laughs> because he is a character. Uh, he is an impersonation of himself in real life. That's very true. Uh, he's completely a persona that he is playing. Like, let's not kid ourselves that he's like a serious person, even though he's the president. Like, like what's his face? I don't believe that. Alex Jones. Right, right. He's also like <laughs> whose show the Donald has been on. Um, and, and whom the Donald has endorsed as some, how a legitimate source of, uh, of information. Anyway, things we're not talking about. Anyway, um, this is about sports. So Donald Trump also has always wanted to break into major league sports. So 
he he he's all about trying to legitimize himself, right? When when he was looking over the banks in of, of the Hudson River into Manhattan when he was young, <laughs> saying, you know, Dad, someday, yeah. someday I'll own a building, you know, shining into the sky over in Manhattan, and he did it, right? You know, someday I'll own a casino, and he did it. Someday, drunk for, men for will piss all over the sidewalk right next to my building. It's, it's some someday I will not pay any of the people who supply my pianos. Oh, someday, and he did it. So anyway, <laughs> um, he also did buy a USFL team in 1983. Now, this is not the NFL, but what was called the USFL, which does not exist anymore, uh, partly due to him. Uh, oh, he really? He bought this team, yeah, called the New Jersey Generals back in 83, basically as a ploy to leverage the USFL in a lawsuit to merging into the NFL so that he could actually own an NFL team without having to actually buy an NFL team. Um, These are the kind of schemes that our current president has always kind of engaged in, right? He likes to cut corners. He likes to try to build people and get away with things. It's just his nature ever since the 80s. Like, we've always known this. Um, This gambit of his did not pay off. Um, He ended up losing the team, losing the league. Um, he, He... was not successful in that, but when you know, many, many years later the bills came up for sale, he tried again to get into the NFL, but um, he was not successful in that. Um, he bid about a billion dollars. The eventual person who bought the team bid about $1.4 billion and ended up buying the team. Um, it may have just been because he was offering more money, or it may also have been because the other owners didn't really want him in there, um, which has also been said of the MLB, because I think he's also tried to buy, a, I think it's the Marlins, which have been sold several times. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kind of didn't want it. Because, again, who would? You know, he he's a terrible person to work with. We've known this, again, for many, many, many years. Um, whether You know, whether you're talking about the Trump organization or The Apprentice, like he is famously a Fake. terrible boss. Fake news. <laughs> Shayna. China. Uh, <laughs> that's my limited Donald Trump. <laughs> I can't even. I'm like not even going to try. Right. Um, and the Donald himself has said that if he had bought the bills, that he then would not have run for president. That it would have <gasps> sated his, you know, sort of I didn't need, know that. need to be loved and, and have <laughs> everyone listen to him. <laughs> it would have... <laughs> He would, he would not have sought the you, you know the, the refuge of you know the White House in in that respect. So we'll never really know. Maybe 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 he would have been the owner of the Bills and the president at the same time. I mean, maybe you know, or um, maybe Don Jr. would be running the Bills right now. Who knows? Maybe they maybe they would have moved to Florida and and won all the championships. Who well, knows? Yeah, that's what I thought the question was. Was that would they be better? Oh no, 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 not no. that. Like I think almost certainly they would have been the same. Freaking president, God. No, it's it a is big difference. It is that consequential. In fact, many people's lives have hinged on this decision. Oddly enough, to not uh, not let uh, Donald Trump buy the bills for a billion dollars. So contemplate that when you're uh, weeping. Weeping at night. <laughs> hey, at, at least the Democrats took back the House, right? <laughs> um, this is not a political podcast. I'm talking sports here. <laughs> this is my end to talking politics. Uh, Mario and I talk about politics a lot. Yeah. 
We we mostly leave it out of the pod. <laughs> but sometimes it's just... I think if, even if you don't agree with me, at least you respect that I have opinions. I also think that's really important. Just like... Right. I just think just be nice to people. Exactly. I'm <laughs> just, only being mean to him. Not if you like him or agree with him or whatever. I'm sure you're a great person. That's fine. I do have family thing. members who do. I'm not going to judge you for that. Oh. But oh, I know. I'm certainly going to judge him. Anyway, I think it's your turn. That it was my, my turn. Sports mysteries. Okay, da, so, da, 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 da. so this is about to get be a bummer. Yes, when this is I'm get talking very dark about. Now. Let's talk about murder. Hey, do you want to talk about death? <laughs> let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk okay, about no. a little bit, a little bit. Okay, <clears throat> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just We should have a musical podcast. I know, right? <laughs> it's just us. Just just singing catches of other people's songs. There's, there's not even like a backtrack. We're just like fucking around. The name of the podcast, it'll be Sue Us. Because <laughs> we'll use other people's music. Okay. Okay, go on. Let's talk about the Ketty Cabin murders. Okay. Also, thank you for taking your glasses off. <laughs> sure. I know the deal now. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just, don't, I just don't want you to know what I'm going to say before I say it. That's fine. So, <clears throat> the, these murders were actually um, the inspiration for a horror movie called The Strangers. And fun fact about this movie is that when the trailer would come on, I would literally turn off the TV because I was so scared. Like, I'm going to be serious. Like, the, the movie... Like, the trailer for the movie is scary because, like, the, the like, the slogan for the movie is, because you were home. And, yeah. And, like, and, like, the, the, the murderers are, like, these masked people with, but they're not, like, they're not, like, ski masks. They're, like, creepy, like, doll masks. Ooh. And, like, ooh, it's weird. Ooh. Yeah. And this is, like, one, this is a, this is, this is rough. This is a brutal murder. Murder. So, Glenna Susan Sue Sharp left Connecticut, um... Uh, with her five children, after separating uh, from her husband, she left Connecticut and relocated to the sunshiny California. Uh, rented out Cabin 28 at the Ketty Resort in the Sierra Nevada community. Um, so in the mountains. So she got five kids. 15-year-old John, 14-year-old Sheila, 12-year-old Tina, 10-year-old Rick, and 5-year-old Greg. So five months after... Moving in, uh, this is April 11, 1981. So I'm going to talk about who's in the house and who's not because it's kind of confusing, but it has to, it, it'll, it'll come up later. So uh, this, this day, uh, Rick and Greg, the 10-year-old and the 5-year-old, the two younger boys, they had a friend over named Justin Smart. So Justin Smart lived in cabin 26, a couple cabins over. He lived with his parents, um... Marilyn Smart and uh, Martin Smart, and they will also come up later. So he has a friend over that night. 14-year-old Sheila uh, was spending the night at the neighbor's house, cabin 27, the Seabolt family. So she went o- she went over there with her sister Tina, 12-year-old Tina. Um, so they went over, watched some movies. Sheila actually spent the night, but Tina uh, returned home at about 9.30, 10 o'clock. 
15-year-old John, the oldest, and his friend, Dana Wingate, 17, they, uh, so that day they, like, went over to Quincy, uh, a town nearby. That night they hung out, and then they hitchhiked back home. So uh, they, like, went out, you know. And what year is this? This is uh, 81. Oh, okay. So they went out, were te- you know, were teenagers, came back uh, that night as well. So April 12th, the next day, uh, 7 a.m., Sheila, the 14-year-old uh, daughter who spent the night at the neighbor's house, she comes back, opens the door, smells something terrible. Oh, no. She finds her mother, Sue, her brother, John, and his friend, Dana, uh, dead. They were all bound with adhesive tape and electrical wire. She freaks out, screams, runs back to the neighbor's house where she had spent the night, um... The police are called, and now we've got a crime scene. So the boys, uh, Dana and John, were bloodied around their heads and necks. John was face up. He was bound at the feet and hands with electrical cord. And uh, that same electrical cord that was bound uh, at his feet was also wrapped around Dana's feet. Sue was covered with a a yellow blanket. She was lying on her side. She was nude from the waist down. She was gagged with a blue bandana and her own underwear, and then it was secured with with tape. Uh, Stab wounds to the chest. Her throat was slashed, um, and there was an imprint matching the butt of a Daisy 880 BB gun, which was found on the side of her head. John's throat was also also slashed, and Dana had been manually strangled. All three victims had blunt force trauma to the head, which was later uh, determined to be caused by hammers. Jesus. So yeah. So so there were at least two um, two uh, murder weapons. There were and four. What th- three causes of trauma per body. Yes. So this was vicious. Jesus. This was brutal. So there were four. There was um, two knives, a butcher knife and a steak knife, and two hammers, a claw hammer, and I think just a um, a regular hammer. Uh, 12-year-old Tina, who had returned to the house that night, she was missing. She was not there at the house at all. Um, the three younger kids... Rick, Greg, and their friend Justin, they were watching movies in the other room that night and they fell asleep. They didn't hear anything, supposedly. What? So, um, they were unharmed. They were totally fine. So that also adds to the to the mystery of this. Yeah, um, how could they not have heard anything? That's the thing. Um, but we'll get to that later. So, quote, this is a quote from uh, the... Plumas County uh, Patrol Commander Rod DeCrona describing the crime scene. Quote, they stabbed and pounded on everything in visible sight. The walls, the people, the furniture, everything. There was blood sprayed absolutely everywhere. You knew right away uh, that we were involved with a psychopath. So, like I said, there were two bloody knives uh, and hammers found at the scene. Um, an, uh... A butcher knife, a steak knife, and uh, one of those knives, the steak knife, was actually bent, like in like bent due to extreme force. Oh my god! Um, 
And the hammer, there was a hammer uh, reported missing by Martin Smart, which is Justin's father. And Justin is the, the friend of the two younger boys. Right, right. Also the neighbor. So the investigation. Uh, so I actually used a couple of sources and only one source said that the investigation was, was kind of botched. Okay. Um, but I didn't really find that from anywhere else. Hmm. A couple who lived nearby reported hearing muffled screams around 1.30 a.m. It, like, bothered them so much that they got up to investigate, but they didn't, you know, they didn't see anything else. Right. So they just went back to sleep. And they weren't even sure if it was screaming. Right. In the first place. Um, Tina's jacket, shoes, and a shoebox with other tools in it were also missing from the crime scene. There was no sign of forced entry at all. Uh, so Justin Smart, the friend of Rick and Greg, he gave conflicting stories. So saying that he first dreamt of the murders. So he was, he was the one, uh, in the back room. He was in, he was in the other room. He was in the bedroom saying that he first like dreamt of the murders. So, So he was probably like sleeping and like heard it. So he probably did have like some like kind of weird dream. Then he claimed that he actually witnessed them. So he stated that he heard sounds from the living room, and when he went to investigate, he saw Sue with two men, one with a mustache and long hair. The other was clean-shaven, clean had short hair and gold-rimmed glasses. John and Dana, uh, the son and his friend, ended up arguing with the men, and then that's when things got violent. Tina entered the room but was taken out the back door by one of the men. So let's talk about uh, Tina. So Tina's disappearance was uh, first investigated by the FBI. Um, and it was searched. They searched the area within about a five mile radius, but there was no luck. They never found anything. They didn't find anything until three years later in April of 1984 part of a human skull was found. Um, and I got a lot of conflicting uh, reports of where it was found between like 30, 50, or 100 miles away. I think it, I personally think it was 100, the uh, the most like reliable source mm-hmm. said 100 miles away um, in, in a whole other county. So um, an anonymous caller contacted the sheriff's office and said that the skull belonged to Tina. Uh, something also weird about this caller was that um, the recording of it was like found in like the bottom of an evidence box or something like that. Hmm. So it wasn't stored properly at all. Um, And after testing, after doing uh, forensic testing, it was confirmed that these were the remains of this little girl. So uh, near the remains, detectives found a child's blanket. They found a blue nylon jacket they found uh, jeans with a missing back pocket, and they also found an empty surgical tape dispenser. Um, so the case was actually reopened in 2013, and the main suspects are the neighbors. Okay. So That's what I thought you were kind of getting to. Yeah. Yes. So Martin Smart and his friend, John Bo, Bo Bede. So uh, Martin openly disliked Sue and 
apparently because he uh, or she like kind of interfered with his troubled marriage with um, Marilyn. Hmm. So they that night they were at a bar. Uh, Yeah. So the night of the murders, they were at a bar, but they left around 1 a.m. Martin successfully passed a polygraph exam, and he was also friends with Sheriff Doug Thomas at the time. Mm-hmm. So he and neither his friend were investigated. They were kind of looked over. Polygraph is bullshit. Polygraph is bullshit. So One way or the other, it is not conclusive. So as this case was, was opened, um, they also found DNA evidence on... Uh, they found like a partial fingerprint that didn't match anybody, and they also found DNA on the tape. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to remember. It wasn't Excuse conclusive. Me. I don't, I'm pretty sure it wasn't conclusive, or yeah. they never really tested it. Hmm. So, because well, the thing about DNA, yes, it is the most accurate type of forensic evidence. Yeah. But only if the sample is a good sample. I don't think. I think that's the thing. It wasn't a good sample, and that's the thing about. This, inv- in this investigation that it wasn't that thorough. Yeah, um, that's what it sounds like. So Martin wrote a letter to his wife, Marilyn, and Marilyn actually never, re- she like doesn't recall ever receiving the letter, but investigators were the one, were the ones who found the letters. And when, when they showed it to Marilyn, she was like, you know, like that's his, that, that is his handwriting. She like recognized his handwriting. Mm-hmm. So the letter was written shortly after the crimes and it read, quote, I've paid the price of your love, and now that I've bought it with, and now that I've bought it with four people's lives, you tell me we are through. End quote. Jesus. Um, Smart died from cancer in 2000, and Bo died in 1998 uh, in Chicago. What? So their secrets went to the grave. Wow. That's crazy to think if they did do it, that they just died without any. They died and got away with all. it. There were um, a good amount of people interviewed. They interviewed all the neighbors. um, And most of them were were cleared. Yeah. So in March of 2016, um, a hammer matching the description of uh, the hammer that Martin said was was missing from him. Right, My hammer's missing. I don't don't, don't know why. Um, (laughs) Yeah, a little bit fishy. Was found in uh, the lake. Okay. So that's basically all I have. Okay. So the questions that remain here are, did Justin, this is what I, I think. Uh-huh. I think Justin might have seen his father killing the family. Uh-huh. And was like, oh, and like didn't know how to process it. D- did he? Did he see his father killing the family and why did his story change? Was he like simply half asleep? Like, you know, he, he's like, ju- he's just a kid, I think. Yeah, or he could have, like, repressed it. You know? Yeah, I think Justin was, like, I think he was 12. It was, yeah, it might have been something he repressed. So, another question is, how did Tina die? When did she die? Was right. she killed immediately? Was was the motive here rape? Um, we don't know. And uh, they think that Sue was sexually assaulted because she was found half nude and that right. her freaking underwear stuffed in her mouth. Right. Um, so how come the neighbors didn't hear anything? Yeah, it seems very strange that this could have happened without anyone hearing something. They seem to have been in pretty close quarters with one another, right? Yes. Yeah. 
Also, why was this so brutal? Again, we don't have, we don't really have like a for sure motive. Why was, why so brutal? Why the, why the, why were these weapons chosen? Why, why Dana? Why was the friend killed? Mm. Um, was Dana, was he just in the wrong place at the wrong time? Uh, we'll never really know. We'll never really know. So those are As is so often the case with the things that we talk about. (laughs) That is the quick, quick story of the Ketty Cabin murders. That is one that definitely has a a rabbit hole that one one can go down. Right. Um, And I think... Reddit threads galore. Lots of Reddit threads. Uh, My sources were Wikipedia. I should do my sources too. Thought, uh, Thought Co., dot com article and a people investigates article and also reddit um i think this the reason why mine was also kind of short was that there was a lot of information but i didn't know what was reliable and what Mm -hmm. wasn't um and um there was a lot of conflicting information that I didn't know what to prioritize and I uh, wanted to do the story justice. Yeah. Um, no, that makes sense. You know, I don't really think I did, but. No, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it's just a very mysterious. And like you said, there's not like a whole lot to go on. Go on. And uh, the. Uh, the investigation doesn't seem to have been that thorough, like you're saying. Yeah. And maybe that's because one of the prime suspects was friends with the police. Yeah. Which is not the first time that we've ever heard about something like for that. For sure, for right? sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not, like, unprecedented in the history of law enforcement that law enforcement officers will not look that much into their friends, right? Uh, I mean, uh, just look at Pee Wee Especially Gaston. in the 80s. Yeah. Um, I forgot to do my sources, so I'll do them now. Yes. Um, Marcel Smith, Nick Domingo, and Matt Martinez at Bleacher Report. Those were uh, different articles. Uh, of course, a couple of Wikipedia pages. Uh, the Deflate Gate page, uh, Michael Jordan page, and the James R. Jordan Sr. page. Uh, Pete at House of Heat. It just said Pete, so I don't, I don't know what his last name is. <laughs> Pete. I tried to find out. I, I couldn't really find it. Thanks, Pete. Uh, thank you, Pete, at House of Heat. Um, Aaron Dodson at The Undefeated. Uh, Jack Dickey at Sports Illustrated. And Will Hobson at The Washington Post. So those were my sources. And now let's do some weird, weird shit, shit in the in news. The news. Weird, weird shit in the news. Weird shit in the news. in the news. in the news. Sorry. So, couple of them, Apologize couple of short ones for, for me. My, uh, yes. My singing Good. cracked your windows, and now everybody's ears are bleeding, and cracked your brain. Um, first one, an AP article titled "Unusual Air Activity Over Ireland Sparks Investigation." So, this is a very recent, November thirteenth, two thousand eighteen. Apparently, there were That's some pilots, today? Um, specifically that. <gasps> Your birthday's today. tomorrow. My birthday is tomorrow, yes, That when this episode comes out, so <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so the Irish Aviation Authority said Tuesday that it was looking to, quote, reports from a small number of aircraft, close quote, about what was called, quote, unusual air activity, close quote, on Friday. Meaning? Yes. There were some 
bright lights that were seen Friday morning by pilots from British Airways and Virgin Atlantic. They don't know what it is. Is that it? You said this one was short. The other short one I'm going to do, also from the AP, titled Runaway Elephant Returned to Upstate New York Sanctuary. So, oh, my um, God. This is I didn't a, really think of the massive scale of this. I know, right? <laughs> so this is a, an elephant um, who is a 46-year-old Asian elephant named Fritha, uh, who was apparently rescued after getting, um, unfortunately, burned by napalm during the Vietnam War, actually. Oh. Um, who's spent m- most of um, his or her life, I'm not sure, um, in this nature sanctuary in uh, Westtown, New York. And unfortunately, the minder forgot to turn on the electric fence when leaving that night. And Fritha did get out onto the street. <gasps> but Fritha! Fritha was just found pretty close by, just kind of wandering around, and was quickly brought back to the sanctuary. Uh, so she Okay. Fritha's totally fine. She was, like, uh, wandering around, like, residential neighborhoods and, like, looking at people's windows and shit. <laughs> I like to think so. I like to think there were some comical scenes that came out of it, sure. Do you think Maybe Fritha got, her, uh... You want some peanut butter? Hey, you, you guys like peanuts, right? And Fritha's like, fuck you, give me a steak. <laughs> 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 I like the good shit. Um, so good for you, Fritha, getting a little bit of freedom. Freedom for Fritha. I've got a good one. Okay, I've go got on. a I've got a good one. Kill. So let's travel to Texas. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> Fucking Texas. I'm down. Um. So I like Texas. This is a an article from Great Old Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Faux News? Shut up. So <laughs> this uh, one's very political. <laughs> this episode. <laughs> uh, but it's the lifestyle section, so okay, they cool. can report on cool, cool, anything. Cool. Yeah. Texas woman's divorce ends an explosion of wedding dress felt quote 15 minutes away. Or no, fifteen miles away. What? So okay, li- okay, I need y'all to listen to this right okay, now. Okay, okay, this, this sounds really crazy. You know, this is some nuts. Like this is some bullshit. So <clears throat> this woman ended. She had like a divorce party. She ended her fourteen-year marriage. Her name is Kimberly Santelbin Stittler. She's forty-three. So basically, she got together with her friends and fucking blew up her 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 wedding dress. <laughs> okay. Um, so so her dad and her brother-in-law came up with the idea of burning the dress with exploding targets. Quote, this is so funny. I literally started laughing out loud when I read this. Quote, I had a lot of advice and suggestions from friends and family, like donating it for premature babies and baptism gowns. However, to me, this dress represented a lie. I wanted to have a divorce party to burn the dress, end quote. <laughs> so instead of donating it for preemies and babies, she decided to to literally explode it. Wow. So it was it was rigged with twenty pounds of tannerite, an explosive component used for firearms training. Quote: We have a friend who has a bomb tech, and he kept saying that's really a lot, like five <laughs> different times when we told him our plan. So we had to back it up. <sighs> wow. Oh, quote: It was liberating pulling that trigger. It was closure for all of us. And then it says, luckily, she had perfect aim. Luckily. And I was like, you mean she could have missed? Then what? I'm not sure. And she was, like, getting texts and stuff from people who were like, what? Was that you? Huh? Like, what? What? And it was felt for more than at least 15 miles away. Wow. 
She just wanted everyone to know that that relationship had truly been blown up. I just... How irresponsible can you be? <laughs> it's so extra and so it's unnecessary. Yeah. And their bomb check friend was like, you know... I don't know about uh, this, you guys. A little... <laughs> Can't you just get a couple of M80s or something, you know? 20 pounds of Tannerite. Jesus. That's probably probably about more maybe than the dress weight, or at least about as much. That's insane. Sure. That is insane. Well, uh, good episode. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. You guys, um, we appreciate it. Tell your friends. Tell all your friends. We're we're coming up to our one-year mark, so we're excited for that. Excited. Follow us on Instagram, Mystery Murdery Thingy. Have you been putting stuff up there? Yeah. Good, 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 good. Good, 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 good. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. And, yeah, tell your friends and, you know, Put it on. Put it on your so, so, social media, right? Is that how that works? Is that how social media works? Yeah. I don't know. I'm old. I'm getting older tomorrow, so I'm an old man. Happy birthday! You're welcome uh, for being born. I already made that joke. Um, so, but I forgot because I'm old. So anyway. <laughs>